This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Thursday, January the 12th, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, Sean Priest of Double Tap discusses the future of narration for audiobooks. What do you prefer, the human or the robot? And Kim Thistle will reflect on her recent yoga retreat to Costa Rica. So we're going to say namaste to Kim a little bit later in the hour. Alex Smythe will be here to run a round table as well. But before you get any of that, let's hear the regional news update. Police in BC's southern interior say they're seeing increases in inadvertent 911 calls due to the SOS function that's built into some smartwatches. Kelowna RCMP have responded to six separate calls this season when people fell without knowing their watches had detected a crash and contacted emergency services. They're asking people who wear smartwatches that include the SOS feature to ensure it's turned off when they're at a ski resort. I... I, I, I mean, I guess, but isn't the point of an SOS feature on your phone that if you get into a ski crash that medical authorities would be advised? Like, you're doing something dangerous. That's when you want the SOS feature. Maybe we just need to change the sensitivity of the SOS feature. Maybe that should be the plan. Over to the prairies, Manitoba Premier Heather Stevenson says there will be more money coming to fight homelessness and addiction. Stevenson says the spring budget will follow on steps outlined in November's throne speech. Andy Knight, a professor of international relations, made a proposal to the department last fall in which he drew attention to racism in the military's ranks. Now, over the next year, he is is to assess just how entrenched radicalization anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, we had a little bit of uh, Rob Westgate there, not the premier of Manitoba. I wonder if that's my own user error posted in, posted in, uh, posted in clips this morning. Let's give this one more crack and see what Premier Stevenson has to say about fighting steps. No, we don't have it. Okay. Let's uh, flip over to the next clip, hopefully, of Heather Stevenson talking about the province considering some tax relief after a committee assesses the province's tax rates. We've already announced our thousand new spaces in the throne speech for um, for addictions treatment. Uh, you know, we're going to have to do more of that. Uh, it's just not right that we see people living in bus shelters and and whatnot. So that was the clip in reflecting on homelessness. Maybe if we keep uh, scrolling down there and trying the next clip, we'll see if we can get Premier Stevenson's take on tax rates. Um, I'm not going to sort of prejudice what will come out of that. Um, we're going to look at what their recommendations are that will make us the most competitive uh, across the country. The review committee was set up in the fall. Over to Ontario, Ontario Premier Doug Ford says he's willing to accept some conditions for more federal funding. Most premiers have balked at the idea of strings being attached to an increase in health transfers, but Ford says he understands the federal government's position. There always has to be accountability, so that's 
that's the least of our issues. Uh, do we want a little bit of flexibility? Um, yeah, and I think they're, they're willing to do that. The federal government would like to see the provinces agree on national data sharing in an effort to improve outcomes for patients. And finally, into Atlantic Canada, Halifax and Moncton, New Brunswick were the fastest growing urban regions in Canada last year. Don Kelly takes a closer look. Statistics Canada reports the Moncton metropolitan area grew by 5.3% from Canada Day 2021 to Canada Day of last year, while Halifax grew by 4.4%. It's the first time in more than 20 years two maritime cities were the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the country. Most big city growth these days is fueled by international migration, which rose last year after being limited by the pandemic. Montreal and Thunder Bay, Ontario recorded the slowest growth rates. Don Kelly, The Canadian Press. That's your look at the regional news. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Mr. Richardson, we have neg- we have neglected to talk about the NHL for some time, but here we are, Brock. It's the midseason of the National Hockey League, and you and I have some thoughts. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> I love it. Okay, we're always so focused on the Canadian teams in these hockey conversations. Brock, let's start south of the border with the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Colorado Avalanche, currently sitting outside a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Brock, is Colorado really going to miss the playoffs? I don't think so. I think they're going to sneak in. To the playoffs, I think they're going to be a wild card, probably. That would be my uh, guess. And then with a team with such talent as they have, once you get in, you never know. Ask LA from, you know, many moons ago when they snuck in at the eighth uh, position and they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So you never do know. And the cliche is, look, we want to get into the dance. And I think that's that's what's going to happen here. They've been beat up as all heck. They've been dealing with injury after injury after injury, and they're still in the mix, right? They're only a couple points away from the Calgarys and the Edmontons and the wildcard spots or the Minnesotas in the bottom of the Central Division. So they're right there in the mix, but it's right when we get here, Brock, in the middle of the year, even with the health considerations that they're going through, that you have to start hitting the pedal to the metal. And that was something their coach, Jared Bed pointed to this week he said we can't play like this if we're going to get into the playoffs so we want them to hit that gear but this is again one of those testaments one of those reminders about how hard it is to get up for every single game especially when you were a salary cap strapped team and you had to sacrifice some depth after a stanley cup run yeah and and i mean we talk about you know um seasons being divided into sections you know the first x number of games you want to see this the second x number of games you want to see that and when we start to get into the halfway point you're absolutely right this is where uh you need to put your money where your mouth is you know and you need to say we are who we are and we're going to prove it because it's not like major league baseball where you can say ah there's a hundred and some odd games left it's early it's early it's early and you can keep repeating that until you know may or june and we can have this conversation all along hockey is obviously not that long of a season but now we're into that point where it's like okay 
we we heard you that it's early. We heard you on the injuries, but are you as good of a team as you are? And this really tests a team like Colorado's depth mm. in the sense of what are you going to be? I again to reiterate the point. I believe they'll sneak in, and who knows from there. Oh yeah, once they're there, congratulations! You worked all season to be a one seed. Uh, if you're if you're a team at the top of one of those divisions, the next thing you know, the defending Stanley Cup champions are waiting for you. What a reward you get for winning the President's Trophy, uh, Brock. Let's. I mentioned that the Calgary Flames are one of the teams who could be overtaken by the Avalanche as they are clinging on to one of the wildcard spots in the Western Conference. On the flip side, you have the Florida Panthers who are out of the playoffs right now in the East and actually in a really bad spot when you look at where they're at in the Eastern Conference. Now, those two teams, I pair them together because they made that huge Matthew Kachuk trade in the offseason with Kachuk going over to Florida and then Jonathan Huberdo and Mackenzie Wieger heading back to Calgary and yet both of these teams are struggling are you surprised that offseason deal appears to have negatively affected both teams I am you always seem to you know we talk about winners and losers in 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 trades like that it it felt like both teams kind of had you know good pieces so it felt like it was kind of a win-win situation I am surprised but I want to bring you back to something uh, that Brad Treliving, GM of the uh, Calgary Flames, said at the beginning of the year, and he said the following: When the statement was made, "Oh, you won the off season," and he said, "I don't know what that means. There's no such thing as winning the <laughs> off season," and it's so true. We can all sit here and, you know, say that Calgary won the off season, Florida to some extent won the off season, but this is why those games are played. This is why we have to play. You can put the greatest amount of talent on a team, but does that talent mixed together and I think this is what we're seeing I look at the Brooklyn Nets everyone thought the Brooklyn Nets should be winning championship after championship because of what they've done and and it doesn't always work and I think Calgary and Florida although I think it is going to work out maybe not this year but down the line because both of those pieces are are long term with with each of the team I think sometimes it does take a bit of time to get in get each other in in the right mix and it, it's not just as easy to say oh we brought in the talent so plug in go play hockey and and be done with it it's not that simple in my mind the difficult thing for the florida panthers is they've struggled for so many years to build a consistent product and it seemed like they were finally on the right pathway a couple of years of making the playoffs some unpleasant exits to the tampa bay lightning but nonetheless building momentum in south florida and last year as part of the push they made they traded their first round pick to the montreal canadians so florida is now sitting in a position where they may not make the playoffs they seem to have made a mistake in firing their coach, Andrew Brunette, and bringing in Paul Maurice. And now they find themselves potentially not having their own draft pick, which may be in the lottery, which could turn into Connor Bedard. And that would just be the insult of all insults for Florida Panthers fans. And that might actually doom the end of that franchise in South Florida. Brock, just before we get into the best and the worst across the league right now, I want to give a little bit of love to the Winnipeg Jets because so many times we forget about that poor squad in the prairies. They suffer from an East Coast and West Coast bias. That It's so easy to focus on Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa in the East, and it's so easy to focus on Vancouver's troubles or Connor McDavid or Calgary's troubles in the West. 
But Winnipeg is forgotten as they very quietly put together an excellent season where they find themselves in second place in the Central Division. Connor Hellebuck, their star goalie, having a monster bounce-back season. Pierre-Luc Dubois really blossoming into his own as a point-of-game player. Kyle Connors once again on pace to score 40 or 50 goals. They just got Nikolai Ellers back from injury, and he's been producing points like a monster since he came back. Josh Moresi's made the all-star team, their defenseman. Brock, a, a very quiet but successful year going on for the Winnipeg Jets. Hey, listen, in my mind, if I'm Winnipeg and, I, and you know, I, I'm a fan or part of the team, you know, I look at this and I say, we want to remain quiet. We, you know, you can all, you know, talk about all those other teams that you, you just said. We'll just keep trucking along until we get to the to the playoffs, and then you see us on, you know, national broadcast, and everyone's got their eyes, and everyone goes, "Oh yeah, Winnipeg, right?" And I think there was a lot of questions of Rick Bonus. What would Rick Bonus do as as head coach this year? He, he decided to take away the captaincy, and and I was one that would say. This might have a damaging effect on the team. It hasn't. They've rolled along quite well. Connor Hellebuck, as you point out, has been Connor Hellebuck-esque. Can this be carried through the playoffs? Can this be carried through the remainder of the season? Remains to be seen. But so far, I'm watching them and I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is a team that that who knows what could happen here. And and I and if I'm an athlete and media, you know, and all that, you guys remain quiet. I'm good with it. <laughs> Brock, let's move over to the best and the worst in the NHL. Now, obviously, there's going to be some temptation here just to look at the standings and say, they have the most points, they're the best team in the NHL. But to your mind, who is the best team in hockey right now? Well, um, my choice can be used as that. You can use that as my algorithm. But it, to me, it is absolutely the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins are complete they have scoring they have defense they have goaltending all of the above and they just keep trucking along winning and playing the right way and the thing about boston is and i'm going to make this prediction i believe that the boston bruins are going to be the eastern conference representative for the stanley cup Whoa. they are just that good and they are they are looking amazing and as a uh, fan of a team in that division I don't want to run against Boston because they are just rolling, rolling along. You know, if we're purely basing this on points, the Toronto Maple Leafs have the second most points in the entire league. So, uh, the, you know, maybe, maybe you're the top competition for the Bruins there as a Leafs fan, Brock, but I'm, I'm not going to torment you. Don't worry. I'm inclined to agree with you. Right now, the Boston Bruins are playing just a completely elevated level of hockey, a combination of extreme veteran talent, a lot of young emerging players, guys like Charlie McAvoy, but also showing what a great job of player acquisition and asset management over the course of the last few trade deadlines, trading for a Taylor Hall and re-signing him to a contract in the prime of his career, trading for defenseman Hampus Lindholm, re-signing him to a long-term contract in the prime of his career. Really, really excellent asset management by the Boston and it, Bruins. And Dave, it seems like this is a team that everyone's decided we're going to put our egos aside. We're going to play as a team because sometimes when you get these star players, you, you see a lot of it's about me it's about and and when a team does well you start seeing things like this happen where we're, it's all for one and one for all and and it's proving very well for the Boston Bruins to kind of just be there and do their thing and that's why I'm predicting now uh, on this day in January that 
I believe they're going to be the Eastern Conference uh, representative. Mm, great example of uh, moving off, moving away from a coach the team appeared not to like in the offseason as well. Bruce Cassidy had maybe run his course there, and it was time for him to go, and it's the perfect example of when you make a coaching change and it can pay off. Brock, I think this one's really easy, and I think we may be in agreement yet again on this one. The worst team in the National Hockey League. When you only have 10 wins on a season, that's pretty it's pretty obvious to pick this team. To me, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Yep. They, they, their dynasty is over. Uh, they, they've run it there and they've won their Stanley Cups. But this looks like an awful, awful team to watch. They are not competing well. They're not doing anything, any of the fundamentals. It is, uh, it's just bad to watch. And you know what? A guy like Connor Bedard, Dave can really turn that around real quick and mm-hmm. so that can be sort of the, the the benchmark and i know it's not obvious when you're the last place team that you're going to get it because you know you all have the near and around the same kind of percentage now with the way the draft lottery works but in the bottom anyways it, you know a guy like that can turn around your 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 train and so we'll see. But right now, man, it's it's really awful to watch, what to really, watch the Blackhawks. What really hurts for them is they've traded away players like Kirby Dock and traded away players like Dominic Kubelik, who are having good years elsewhere, who could have been part of the future solutions there. They didn't get a lot in return for those players. So... The opposite of Boston is asset management that's been very poorly done in Chicago. Brock, we're almost out of time here, but I do want to ask you one more Chicago Blackhawks-related question as they're tanking hard for Bedard. Now, this is complicated because Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane both have no trade clauses, but by the time we get to the trade deadline at the end of February, do you anticipate those two Blackhawks legends will be traded somewhere else for the last few months of their contracts? You gotta give them an opportunity to be out of a out of a situation like that. I I get all of the, you know, no trade no trade clause. I understand all of that. But if if I'm looking at the the situation and if I'm them, I, I'm I'm giving my short list of teams where it's like, you know, if you're gonna trade me, I know I have a no trade clause. But if you're gonna do this, I'd like to go here, here, and here. If you could get a deal. And they could give you one team, and I guarantee you that one team is <laughs> is gonna do what they have to do to 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 get things done. Yeah, it's, it it makes me laugh when we think of Taves and Kane as these uh, aging players at like thirty four and thirty five years old. It's uh, can me, I just go ahead? Can, can I make one very quick? Yeah, comment? you got to be faster I, though, Brock. You got to be fast. I will. I will say if Montreal could sneak in on this pick, that Connor Bedard would look really good in a in a team that's young and improving. So there's a part of me for the game that's hoping for Montreal to get another young kid and and be in there. Well, now you're just, now you're just teasing me. Now you're just tormenting me. Brock, <laughs> uh, we'll get to the we'll get to the Toronto Raptors in basketball tomorrow. All right, sounds good. <laughs> that's Brock Richardson. He's the host of the Neutral Zone. He's at the AMI Sports Desk. Alex Smythe is at the AMI Weather Desk. Here is your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're going to start off in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, where there's snow flurries in the morning and then it's cloudy with a chance of more snow in the afternoon. Possible snow squalls in the area as well. The high is minus 6, wind chill minus 18. To Charlottetown PEI, it's a mix of sun and clouds. The high is minus 4 and feeling like minus 13. In St. John, New Brunswick, it's a mix of sun and clouds with a high of minus 5 and a wind chill of minus 20. 
There is a rainfall warning in effect with heavy rain and snow expected to start overnight. To Quebec City, Quebec. It's cloudy with snow beginning late this morning with up to four centimeters expected. The high is minus six and a wind chill minus 19. And there is a winter storm warning in effect with more snow expected overnight and into tomorrow. Here in Toronto, Ontario, there's rain throughout the day and the high is five degrees. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow this morning. Zero is the high, feeling closer to minus 10. In Brandon, Manitoba, it's mainly cloudy. The high is minus 8 degrees and it's feeling like minus 18. In Regina, Saskatchewan, it's similar. It's mainly cloudy. The high is minus 7 and feeling like minus 22. Moving over to Lethbridge, Alberta, it's mainly cloudy, but clearing near noon, there's wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. 5 is the high, but it's feeling like minus 12. In Red Deer, Alberta, it's a mix of sun and clouds, clearing up this afternoon, a high of minus 2, and feeling like minus 21. There is also a fog advisory in effect for the area. Up in Whitehorse, Yukon, it's cloudy with a chance of some light snow, a high of minus 10, and a wind chill of minus 20. Over in Kelowna, BC, it's up to 2 centimeters of snow falling this morning, then there is a chance of rain in the afternoon and the high is three degrees. Finally in Vancouver, BC, it is up to 20 millimeters of rain set to fall today with also wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour and the high is 10 degrees. That's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, Sean Priest of Double Tap discusses the future of narration for audiobooks. What do you like? Do you like the robot artificial intelligence? Or do you like it when a human reads you a book? This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Apple is rolling out a new catalog of artificial intelligence narrated audiobooks. Here to discuss what that could mean for the future of narration is Sean Priest. Sean is one of the hosts of Double Tap, which you can find daily on AMI Audio. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm very well, Dave. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm always excited to talk about AI and audiobooks and we know these are products that people enjoy. Now, Apple's not the first to provide an AI-narrated audiobook. Book publishers have been making these types of voices available since the better part of years ago. How have these new voices been received by listeners so far? Well, it's really difficult. I'm not sure entirely how many people know about them. Um, now, I've had a listen myself when we talked about them in uh, yesterday's show, actually, and they are impressive. And, but as you said, Apple's not the first company to offer you know, a, a, a computer-generated voice when it comes to reading audiobooks. There are lots of other companies that are moving into this market, and it's a concept that really is gathering some sort of traction. And whether that's a good thing or not, well, that's up for discussion, really. Yeah, we know it's a bit 
cheaper and faster for publishers to utilize artificial intelligence technology. Uh, I was asked last year to do an audiobook for someone and it was calculated that it was probably going to take me about 60 hours to read their entire text and edit it and package it and send it off. Whereas you can have an AI computer do this in literally seconds, right? It's, it's a processing file. It's not a yes. real-time file. <laughs> so what impact do you think this AI expansion could have on a publisher who's making audiobooks? Well, that's, that's where the discussion really is because, uh, I mean, the, the question is, it, it is expensive. As you mentioned there, the studio time for just recording an audiobook and then the time to you know, post-process that, it, it, we're talking you know, a good week of work if, you're, if that's a fast process. Um, it could be longer. And that costs money if you're talking about voice actors and editors. That costs money. And there's lots of um, smaller publishing companies out there, maybe authors that maybe aren't bestsellers or have a lot of oomph behind their name, where their books would never get the opportunity to become audiobooks. So now with the AI narration or AI voice actor option, obviously, as you said, much quicker um, and much cheaper. So would you rather not have the audiobook or the book, I should say, available to you at all, or would you rather have this option of a cheaper and you know the voice actors do an amazing job it's such a talent yeah yeah and and is this is this putting voice actors out of work would they have to lower their prices what impact does it have on the human factor mm -hmm. uh, of when it comes to employment and, and things like this it's a tricky one but on the other, flip side of that well then this is an audiobook that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for AI narration. Yeah, especially in times of these new releases, right? Sometimes we'll find out that an audiobook is not being released simultaneously with the new release. And if this narration mm. AI lets you get it on the day of the release, there's a benefit there. There's an understandable benefit, but there has to be something said about that human narration, especially on something like an autobiography. I know Barack Obama's audiobook was incredible because his voice was on it. That said, the audiobook's like 20 hours long. It's like so, yes, so long. Yes. But 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 there's something about it when you're saying, hey, it's my autobiography, it's my biography, put my voice on it, and it means a little something more. There's a real value added for the view for the listener. Oh no, absolutely. And there's nothing like a, a talented voice actor really drags you in uh, the harry potter series mm -hmm. there's, there's so many audiobooks where the narration really can make or break it and when it comes to ai i mean the, when you listen to the samples the, the ones that apple have put out recently madison and jackson are the two voices a male and female <clears throat> excuse me male and female voice i mean you listen to it and it blows you away it doesn't sound like your screen reader it doesn't sound like a tts but at the same time there's still that something of a uncanny valley to it. It, it, it. You can't get that emotion every time. And sometimes I, I, I've picked up in the sample, it sounded, oh, I've heard that sort of, in, what do you call it, intonation? Yeah. I've heard that yeah. before. That, that sounds like it's repeated. It sounds like it's just picked out of the barrel. So I don't know. As you mentioned, some audiobooks, uh, 16 hours, 20 hours, you know, they can be long. And listening to the samples, I'm every time and lots of people that listen to him say i'm blown away by that but then maybe for five minutes now try listening 
for 16 hours mm-hmm. and see if it doesn't start to grate. That's not to say it's not impressive technology because it absolutely is and it's improving all the time. And there's lots of the voices I've heard from other companies as well where I couldn't tell it was a TTS. Mm-hmm. But again, mm-hmm. we're talking a minute or five minutes for a whole book and especially if you're talking about a book with humour in it or, you know, some sort of like an autobiography where there's some sort of emotion in it. That's where AI really needs to shine. And I'm not convinced it's totally there yet. But with that said, it is pretty impressive. Yeah, we have, we've mastered artificial intelligence. Have we mastered artificial emotional intelligence and emotional intonation? That's right. Which is the, uh, which is the, next, which is the next step. And believe me, Sean, the robots will get there. The robots will get there. I have, <laughs> I have every belief in the world the robots will find themselves uh, a way to get there. That's why I always say thank you to the automated checkout machine when I go to the grocery store, just so it tells its other robot friends. Ingratiate yourself yeah. now before yeah. they become our robot overlords. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, Oh, that yes. was that nice Dave Brown. He'll help us convince the humans to love us. AI is it, it's really in focus at the minute. I think this year, you know, there's been a lot of chat about open chat AI, GPT. That's mm-hmm. an amazing mm-hmm. artificial intelligence uh, program. And that's being moved into Windows and Bing. And uh, it's going to be the year of AI. Yeah, the chat GPT, I, a lot of contributors and I have been emailing back and forth about how we want to talk about that, when we want to talk about that. It's probably going yep. to pop up a couple times here over the course of the uh, the next month or so. Uh, let's not okay. look ahead to the month, Sean. Let's look ahead to this afternoon. Double tap, hitting the airwaves, noon Eastern time on AMI-audio. What do you guys have on deck? Well, today we're going to talk about... Stephen insists on calling them smart glasses. They are not. We're going to be talking about audio Bluetooth glasses. So sunglasses with speakers built in, obviously great for listening to audiobooks, podcasts, great for turn-by-turn directions, leaving your ears unblocked so you can hear what's going on around you Mm -hmm. when you're trying to navigate outside. Um, But they are expensive. But we're going to be talking to a listener, Gordon, who has tried out some, uh, let's say, affordable, around $35, $50 sunglasses, and he's going to let us know how they perform. Now we're talking the Dave Brown language and technological spending. My $20 smartwatch, my $25 Bluetooth speaker, my my $17 headphones. (laughs) Let's go. Hey, Sean, thank you for this, buddy. Have a great show. I can't wait to tune in. You too. Thank you. (laughs) That's Sean Priest. He's one of the hosts of Double Tap. You can find that show noon Eastern time on AMI-audio, and you can follow the team on Twitter at Double Tap On Air, at Double Tap On Air. While you're consuming great AMI-audio content, don't forget this Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on The Pulse, Joyda Gupta will chat with Dr. Amy McPherson and Wesley McGee-Saxton about Holland Bloorview's online disability and sexuality hub. That's The Pulse, Thursday. Thursdays, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio. And Joita Gupta will be here tomorrow as part of the weekly news panel alongside Michelle McQuig. Coming up next, Alex Smythe asks you the question, would you consider taking a discounted airline to travel abroad? That's a good question, and we'll tackle it coming up next on Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Nazreen Abdel-Majid and Ramya Amuthan are standing by, but Alex Smythe has a big question to toss at us. What's on your mind, Alex? Yeah, so I, I heard uh, in, the, in the news uh, yesterday and the day before, this new airline that's come out, Play Airlines, and they've been making big waves uh, in especially in Ontario, because they're offering up an ultra-low-cost flight to Europe. So some being as low as $130 one way from Hamilton, Ontario, to Europe. So th to me, this seems too good to be true. Like, you know, we're, we're <laughs> Alex, so used to Alex, paying a lot. I, I already have to interrupt. I already have to interrupt. I'm yeah. going to be a terrible, ungracious host. Where in Europe? Because if you're sending me to Moscow, I don't want to go to Moscow. No, no, they, they, so they have destinations uh, all over, like you can go okay, to London, okay. you can go to <laughs> Germany, you can go to Italy, you can go to Spain, Portugal. You're, you're not, don't worry, you're not, you're not going to, to, to Moscow yeah, right away. Off or the Kiev, off like the Kiev you go. <laughs> well, and, and part of this is to, uh, so this is the spiritual successor to Wow Air, which uh, went uh, uh, defunct uh, a few years ago. And so they're doing the very sim uh, same tactic where they're, having all their flights go through Iceland. So you stop off in Iceland, you can choose to have a layover there, and then you can continue on your flights to uh, mainland Europe, wherever you want to go from there. And so this is uh, the, the president, it was the president with Wow Air, you know, so we'll see how long this one lasts. But yeah, I, I kind of wanted to find out, you know, you know, for me, it's like low cost areas, I always kind of get concerned. I, I, I'm on edge i know they don't have the bells and whistles but there's also a lot of other issues that kind of seem to hide in the fine print so i wanted to find out like dave and everyone else on the round table would you take a flight that's an ultra low cost carrier like 130 bucks one way to uh, to go to london or germany sounds pretty good to me I uh, have used a low cost air carrier to fly to halifax last summer it was an okay experience certainly a hundred dollars round trip to halifax was uh, pretty good minus the fact that our return flight got completely canceled and we had to book uh another airline to get us back to toronto uh for more money and uh we're still waiting on some refunds on that one so uh low cost air travel uh having to pay to uh, having to pay for a checked uh for for a carry-on bag uh not a lot of leg room for a gentleman who's uh let's call myself large and in charge for some of our blind and low vision uh <laughs> viewers at home so i've done it and i would do it again but i think the strategy i would deploy is i would end up buying two seats for myself to give myself a little more breathing room for some comfort. Nazreen, what about you? Would you uh, would you be tempted by these discount air travel fares? I would. So I, I think 130 is too good to be true for sure. Um, however, I, I'm the type of person, if you get me a flight anywhere, like to Europe, for example, I don't care if I'm outside of the plane. I don't mind at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you said, I think it does sound too good to be true. And I feel like there are some services that and some fees afterwards that might cost you even more. Um, Legroom is a big problem. I I hate a, I hate tight seats. And and, and you and, is... and you are not six foot three like me. You are not you are not you're not glomping around here at six yeah. three. So if you're worried about legroom, what does that say for a poor soul like me? I'm five foot three, but I'm the type of person that I have to, I have to get up like every thirty minutes to stretch my legs because of my stiffness. Mm. So 
it, it does get annoying and um yeah it that's i feel like the seats get smaller and smaller <laughs> ramya what about you could you be tempted with one of these uh, low-cost discount air travel airlines I usually am, yeah. Like, Swoop is an example that I'm thinking of because friends have actually talked about using it. Um, the only concern that I really have, I don't mind the leg or lack of leg room. Uh, I really love the low price, but I can't stand if last-minute cancellations come about. So this is the, the reason why I'm very, very hesitant and not sure if I'd ever use anything like this because the ratio, I don't know what the ratio is, but the ratio of my friend's testimonials of flights being canceled incredible delays like oh they couldn't put us on today's flight so they've moved it 48 hours i'm like yeah, what the heck yeah. does that mean mm -hmm. like you know, i did not sign up for uh, you know leaving in two days and that could be just gruesome i don't think that i deal with that being well. stranded in halifax is one thing being stranded in reykjavik is something else you know you're okay, a little yeah. bit you're a little bit further from home alex you posed the question you said you have your reservations but your temptations have you ever hit hit book on a discount air travel uh, so I have, Dave, like you, I've done it in Canada. So um, back when I was living in Edmonton, I've, I've taken uh, a couple of discount flights back and forth. And that one was okay. I I did not have to deal with any major delays or anything. And I was actually surprised by that. I, I was uh, expecting, you know, cancellation delays because that is always the biggest issue when, uh, at least in my experience from what I've seen, what I've heard, when it comes to these low-cost airlines that, you know, they, they have far fewer planes in their fleets. And it's basically, well, if one gets tied up in in uh, Vancouver or it gets tied up in Halifax, it's supposed to be in Toronto. Then it's supposed to go to Edmonton. Then it's supposed to go to Vancouver. You know, you can have such a chain reaction. So I think in Canada, I would do it if I, if I would going somewhere, you know, reasonable within three, four hours, I would do that kind of flight and just be prepared that, okay, this may get delayed by half a day. It may be canceled. I have to plan for that. Going to Europe is a bit of a different story because you're talking about a, at least like a seven, eight hour trip. Now, it's nice when you, you stop over in Reykjavik because from Toronto area, it's a five hour flight. That's like going out to Vancouver for, for us. So that's very doable. But yeah, do you really want to be stranded out there? Because that's what happened when Wow Air shut down. People were stranded mm -hmm. all over Europe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be stranded next to a volcano. Even if Iceland's <laughs> volcano isn't super active right now, uh, the volcano will find a way to come get me. Okay, let's talk about some of these uh, fine prints here. Some of these added costs you may get if you take these low-cost airlines. And I just kind of want a yes or no answer. Are you cool with it? Could you live with it? So let's start with... You have to pay to carry on a bag. You can only bring a personal item, pretty much nothing bigger than a small backpack. Alex, are you cool with having to pay for a carry-on bag? Yeah, it balances out in the cost. Nazreen, are you cool with having, having to pay for a carry-on bag? I don't like it, but it's fine. Yeah, I can live with it. Ramya, are you cool with having to pay for a carry-on bag? Yeah, I'm fine with it. What about this? You can only check in using your phone. You are not allowed to deal with an employee at the airport or else that costs you more. Ramya, are you cool with that? 
That's ridiculous. I will always need an employee to help me. This is uh, access needs. And anytime anybody says anything like this, I just think of the uh, automated, and what do you call it, like self-checkouts and mm -hmm. how I'm, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm stranded at the grocery stores. Boom. Accessibility. Accessibility argument made well by Ramya Amuthan. Nazreen, would you be cool with the fact that you can only check in online? Otherwise, it costs you money to deal with a person at the airport. Yeah, so true. I agree with Ramya. Alex, same question to you. Yeah, not, not good with that at all. When we say no bells and whistles, that also means pretty much no in-flight meal service. You may be able to pay for like a bag of chips or like a soda or something, but like we're not even talking about the complimentary can of Coke you're going to get on Air Canada or something here. Alex, are you cool with the fact that they're not going to feed you on this flight? Yeah, because I always get uh, snacks and drinks and stuff from the airport already. That's, that's well done. A good strategic move. Veteran traveler Alex Smythe. Nazreen. <laughs> I do. I do that too. I always get like uh, my backpack was always filled with small snacks and stuff, but I want drinks. Yeah. Always, always <laughs> bring a bottle of water and some snacks on the plane with you. I'm telling you, it's a best practice. Ramya, what about you? Yeah, I buy stuff at the airport for sure, but I'm always in the mood to buy something on the flight, so I kind of hate that that's not going to be an option. Yeah, I'm oftentimes in the mood for a sandwich when I'm 10,000 yeah. feet in the air. Your, your boy needs one I of like these. like those pretzel things. Oh, man. Snacks? Rumia know. knows how to live. Alex, <laughs> great topic. Thank you for bringing this. Have a great day. Nazreen, all the best to you. Rumia, before we say goodbye to you, you are now the co-host of Kelly and Ramya, which folks can find 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio. The show is just off and running spectacularly. Here we enter day four of your TV existence. What's coming up on the show today? Thank you, Dave. Yeah, we're talking about, or to, Fern Lullum. She's our bestie from the UK. And she's on the road to becoming a counselor. So she's going to talk about that oh, process no and how it's going. Yes, it's very awesome for her, and we're very excited to talk more about it. Um, also, Mary Mamaliti, if you haven't gotten the memo, she's joining us weekly on the program now. And today's topic is what's trending in food and beverage so far for 2023. She's always the first one with the food scoop. <laughs> and we have our accessible gaming segment today. Today, and I'm actually going to showcase some of the things that I've um, like had over the years brought in and used in my own gaming life a lot of tabletop gaming uh, samples and things made accessible for me so I'm looking forward to showing that to you guys yeah the adaptability you guys show off with those kind of seg segments always fascinates me over the holidays while I was hanging out at a cottage we played a lot of this game called ticket to ride where you're building mm -hmm. train lines all across North America it's so much fun but as I was playing it I realized Ooh, the accessibility on this one is low, and I wonder how you could actually adapt this game to be accessible. Yeah. I think it would be very, very difficult, but uh, I, I managed to do my low vision cheats, taking pictures of the board and uh, doing a lot of stuff like that, using my phone as a way to uh, monitor things, but woof, it was a tricky one. Yep. Hey, Ramya, sounds like a great show. Always looking forward to tuning in. You guys are doing a fantastic job on the show. 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio. All the best to you, and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks, Dave. That is Ramya Emuthan, the co-host of Kelly and Ramya. Coming up next, Kim Thistle will reflect on her recent yoga retreat to Costa Rica. You namaste right there. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. To paraphrase Aristotle, you are what you do repeatedly. And certainly that wisdom at almost 2,500 years old still holds up today, but it's not all the way true. You are more than just what you do on occasion or what people perceive. You know Kim Thistle as a film reviewer on this show, loving to give takes on TV shows and movies, but Kim has more layers to her than just that. Today she wants to show you a side of herself that goes beyond the big screen. Kim recently took a trip down to Costa Rica for a yoga retreat and is going to tell you about her experience. And Kim joins us from St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. Hey, good morning, Kim. How are you? Hey, good morning. Happy New Year. Happy New Happy back. <laughs> Happy New Year to you too as well. Kim, I need to start with a why question. Why did why? you want to go on a yoga retreat? Um, my cousins, I had been always curious about a yoga retreat and I've done, you know, yoga you know, classes and do it online and stuff like that. And my, when my cousins told me that her and her sister went to two cousins, so, you know, and I said, well, if you go again, let me know. And when she called me, she said, we're going again. And I said, sign me up. So I, I'd been curious to see what it was about. And that's the reason, you know, to see, to, to explore a different place and check out a new area and do yoga. What goes into a typical day on a yoga retreat? Oh, good, good question. Well, I, I vote out a schedule. Like, I, okay, I'll give you an example of one of our schedules. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, one of the key attractions for me was going to Costa Rica was yoga on the beach and then, you know, by the pool. And, mm -hmm. and, and I will tell you, like, th that first night when we got there and um, I was, we were lying down at, by the pool and I looked up and I saw the, the trees, you know, the palm trees. And I said, holy moly, like, oh my gosh. Here I am. I cannot believe I'm here. Like, this is amazing. So a typical day would be like 8 o'clock in the morning we'd have yoga. Well, I'll give you a Thursday that we did one day. We had a beach walk 6.30 in the morning, breakfast at 8 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m. with breath work, 1 p.m. was lunch, 5.18 is sunset, and I'll come back to that. 6 p.m. is yoga nidra, 7.30 was dinner, and then 8 p.m. that night happened to be a rodeo in town and the market was open. So that was an example of oh, one day. Oh my gosh, Kim, you're packing so, it all in there. But but then other days were just, not just yoga, like we do yoga eight o'clock in the morning and then you have your lunch and you know your free time and, and then we had a journaling workshop. And But every night we always went down to the beach and the sunset is around 5.15. So around 4.30 we walk down and we get our seat by the, um, you know, in the bar, the outside, you know, the bar, and sat down, had a beverage, and the sunset is amazing. Mm, like, it's mm -hmm. just, wow. And it was just, and, and even the whole town shows up for it. But for me, the yoga retreat was really um, rejuvenating and revitalizing, and, you know, I needed it. If that makes sense, like, that was a, it was a time for me to recharge and reconnect and, you know, put my pieces back together. Yeah, I call yeah. it after a difficult year last year. Oh, Kim, it, it's so revitalizing to A, get away out of your surroundings, yeah. to, to just be around new walls and be around new people yeah. and be in a new place. How familiar with you, how familiar with yoga were you before you went on this retreat? How often do you practice yoga? I had not practiced a lot. I used to go regularly, but I was one of the person that goes in and out dabbling, you know what I mean? In and mm -hmm. out and do a bit here and there. But I do know that when I do my yoga, my strength is better and my um, flexibility is better. And and I feel better. I meditate re regularly. I am a person who, who meditates daily and I do um, journaling and things like that. So this yoga is another layer of that in my self-care. 
Kim, there are some accessibility questions here. I, I want to start with the yoga side and then we'll sort of get to the resort or the travel experience more broadly. But how accessible was the yoga experience at this retreat for you? Um, well, obviously, or I don't know if it's obvious, I was the only deafblind person there. <laughs> so identify as, you know, I have a vision loss. Um, my vision is such that is severe tunnel vision. So I did know some of the moves. The yoga instructor, Yoga Marie, Virginia Marie Yoga, phenomenal in Tamarino, Costa Rica, beautiful area. So she she knew I I introduced myself and and I tell what my limitations are or any supports I need. So I'd sit up next to my cousin. So if I needed to see, I would turn you know look and see what mm -hmm, the the pose mm -hmm. was or to be more familiar with it. And Virginia Marie would come around and if she needed to fix, adjust my shoulders or my hips and, and things like that. She'll ask first if, if no one wants to be touched, you know, let her know, but otherwise she'll come and do an alignment. So, and, you know, and I had been familiar because I know what a, a warrior pose was, but some I, I didn't. So I literally would turn to the person next to me and watch what they were doing. <laughs> now, and this, oh, sorry, I'm no, going to no, tell no, you please, about please, Go ahead, go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Uh, it's, Costa Rica is not accessible. Like where where I stayed in Tamarino is not an accessible community. I mean the dirt roads, there's no sidewalks. I mean this the city town center is might be a, a pay, bit of pavement, but you're on this sidewalk and then you come down about twelve, you know, a foot, <laughs> and then you come and you step up again on this little bit of pavement and you step down again and you're and that's just a little bit of the sidewalks. But but I have to say my cousin really didn't know how much accessibility support I would need. So she got familiar with me as well, you know, and as people knew what I needed and then, or I didn't need, and then they say, you know, to the right, we got five steps coming down or look out, there's a sign to your left. And, and I held that, you know, sighted guide and, and everyone got more familiar. And, and then at, towards the end, everybody was assisting me and it was just normal, you know, Kim, watch out, there's a bump right there to, you know, or they would, the big joke was, it's not very funny, but in a way I said, next year when I go back, I'm putting reflectors on my, um, you know, the stickers on my white cane because it's very dark at night and very limited lighting. And the, the road that we went on, the no sidewalk. So how many times the girls said, I had to throw myself in front of you to save you, you know? <laughs> oh for oh so I said, if we had a, a blinking light or something, having said that, they knew what the white cane was. Does that make sense? Yeah, like it yeah. When I universal, right? It's, it's a, it's a right. universal understanding of what the white cane is, which, which again, speaks yes. to uh, the relevance and the importance of the white cane uh, as, as an identifier. Uh, Kim, yeah. you know why Costa Rica is on a no-go travel list for me? Scorpions, too many scorpions, can't go there. Haven't, didn't see any. We well, saw yeah, of course, yeah, of course you didn't see any. People didn't tell you if the scorpions were around. No, we had this weird bug in the condo. We stayed next week, and this weird as old bug. Oh, none of us wanted to tackle it. So we had our friend, Terry, you do it. You're a brave one. You squat it. But it was such an, I can't even describe it like a hard old case, but it was just a normal bug. But apart from that, no, we saw the squirrels and the, and the, 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 the dragonflies everywhere. Kim, let's talk about a couple of uh, fun elements here on this yeah. trip. Our producer, Paul Daniel, tells me that you got a tattoo. What did you get and where is it located? Okay, um, the tattoo is very special for me. I, I guess you know I had a, a mastectomy last year in May uh, and on my left side. So that's, you know, a, a big event and a lot of things happened last year. And I said, I need a tattoo that represents me moving forward. So I got inspired in Costa Rica. See if I can show you now. If I stand up, can you see it? Oh, uh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. 
Okay, so here it is. It's, it's two hibiscus flowers, which I fell in love with. They're everywhere in, in Costa Rica. So there's two and they're watercolored like pink and red. And this is what my favorite thing, the, the words here, pura via, pura via, P-U-R-A-B-I-D-A. That, and you hear that and you see that everywhere and everyone in Costa Rica, like it's everywhere. And what it means is pure light, happiness, optimism, and living life to the fullest. And oh. that's truly embodied, embodies where, you know, my direction going forward in my that is beautiful kim what a beautiful sentiment kim we've only got about a minute left here on the clock so you got to be quick on this one but paul also put a note in here about bruno who is bruno okay he makes the best coffee and when i he's a he's a young fellow from argentina Bruno Daros, and we used to like going there for food and meals in the coffee shop. And um, we told him that it's the best coffee, and he said, that's because it's made with lube. I can't say it. I can't do the accent. Lube. Well, I thought I was going to melt right there to the floor. Oh, the beautiful Spanish-Argentinian accent. Oh! <laughs> Kim, there are people uh, watching, listening right now, who are probably falling in love with your accent too, though. So don't, uh, oh. don't, don't, don't cut yourself short on this one, Kim. I'm so glad to hear you found this trip to be revitalizing after what was a difficult year. We're always appreciative of the time you spend with us. Thank you for maybe Thank letting, you. Let, like, peeling off a little layer of the onion here and showing us a little bit more of Kim Thistle. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad to share. Love you guys. Love you too, Kim. That's Kim Thistle community reporter for Kelly and Rumya and a film reviewer for us and a monthly columnist in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador. That's all the time we have for the show today. Don't worry, we'll be back again tomorrow morning. Michelle McQuig and Joita Gupta will be here for the very first news panel of the year. The emails already lit up with us throwing topics back and forth. So be here, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.